Most of what we've learned about marketing, we learned ages ago. Today, though, almost as fast as technology changes, marketing and our audience expectations for marketing have changed as well. This leads to a huge problem of us trying to get our message out, spending tons of money on outdated and ineffective practices while trying to be the solution to their problem, not becoming their problem. And that's what we're talking about today on Experience Leadership. Welcome to Experience Leadership, a podcast that challenges small business owners and entrepreneurs just like you to dare to be the exception. Join our host, customer experience expert, Mark Hain, as he uncovers relevant and timely content to help you script and direct your business and teams to create jaw-dropping experiences your customers and staff deserve. Here is the host of Experience Leadership, author of Lights, Camera, Action, customer experience expert, Mark Hain. Welcome to this episode. I'm so glad that you are here with me today. My returning guest for this episode is one of the best experts on scaling for growth on this planet, Randall Craig. We will be discussing how you can think differently about your marketing and your marketing initiatives. My one ask is that if you know someone who could use this information, please share this episode with them. Knowledge is power, but only if we share it. It used to be if you needed a product or service, you'd talk to a friend or neighbor to get a recommendation. Failing that, you'd pick up the yellow pages, look up the category, and find a company that stood out to you and started making phone calls. If you wanted to do some research and be really diligent on the company, you'd call up the Better Business Bureau. They'd know for sure if the company was trustworthy. Then you'd make your decision. Now, if you're a millennial, a Gen Y, or a Gen Z, you just heard me say, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) Which brings us to our question of the day. How are you getting noticed and how are you building your know, like, and trust factor? I'd love for you to share your experience with us. So Feel free to make a comment wherever you're consuming this. Hashtag it, experienced leadership, and be part of this conversation. I am so excited to have Randall Craig back on the show with us. He is the author of eight books. He is a business growth advisor and a Hall of Fame speaker. Randall serves on both corporate and not-for-profit boards and frequently appears as an expert in the media. He has earned the FCMC designation, CFA, MBA, and his CSP designations, and has a black belt in karate. Randall has also been inducted into the Canadian Speaker Hall of Fame. He leads the Brain Trust Professional Institute, and aside from his books, shares his unique and often timely innovative perspectives through his keynotes and his virtual presentations and over 600 articles. He has his own podcast called So Here's Your Challenge. Randall, thank you so much for coming back. This is thrilling. Mark, thanks so much for having me. This is always fun uh, speaking with somebody who's as good as you are. Oh, thank you. Before we get into today's topic, could you just uncover for us a little bit of what you do and how you serve your clients? Yeah, so I'm a professional speaker, so I get up in front of groups and, and I share my ideas, particularly on marketing frameworks and how you can grow your business with some perhaps new thinking. I coach 
CEOs, founders, and leaders in entrepreneurial, innovative companies on how to scale their business. And I run the Brain Trust Professional Institute, which is an online learning platform to teach about thought leadership and becoming a trusted advisor and so on. So those are the three things I do. And yeah, I've written a few books along the way too. <laughs> Always the busy soul. Today, we are talking specifically about thinking differently about marketing. Why, in your opinion, is this such a timely topic today? Well, I think that it's a timely topic today because so often businesses that have had some success have been doing so based on what they may have learned years ago. So if you think about it, way back in the 1940s, people kind of built their business because back at the club, somebody says, you so-and-so, and that's what. Or maybe in the 1950s, there's a, a pitch man on TV, you know, with brill-creamed hair saying, buy this product. And you say, well, that's, a, that's a, somebody who's endorsing it. But in the 1960s, there was a transformational thing that happened. And that transformational thing was a marketing framework. So if you're uh, somebody who's gone to MBA school or has attended a marketing workshop somewhere or other, you may have heard of, for example, a framework called the four Ps. The idea is that if you sort of define and describe the, each of the four Ps, price, product, place, and promo, then abracadabra, you will have a marketing plan. And the reason why this was so fundamentally different than before is because for the first time ever, we were able to sort of describe what we needed to do in those four areas. And it didn't matter what the product or service is, as long as you sort of put something in each of those four boxes, you're going to be okay. The problem with 4P, and, and there's a whole bunch of other ones as well, is that they weren't directional. They were descriptive. So it describes those things. So what uh, the problem is, is that, yes, when you've built a business based on some of these older frameworks, maybe you're not using the best of today thinking on how to grow your business to the next level or more creatively connect in with whoever your clients and prospects are or be more efficient with whatever your spend happens to be or figure out how to use some of these newer digital kind of marketing things that came about. It's listen, there's just one prospect and one client. There's not like a digital version and a real life version and so on. And so the marketing framework has got to encompass really that journey that somebody goes through. And that's what I wanted to share with you and the viewers today. Wonderful. You mentioned descriptive versus directional, this idea of having descriptive kind of frameworks. Is this the only ineffective process you're seeing in current marketing practices? <laughs> There's an expression that, that says, you know, uh, 10 businesses, 11 opinions, like 10 business <laughs> leaders, the 11 opinions, right? So there's many ways to do it right, okay? One particular kind of uh, company might say, well, actually, let me take a step back. Step back. I wasn't going to talk about it today, but I will. Every business competes on three dimensions, price, expertise, and trust. Price, expertise, and trust. One business, for example, may say, you know what? We've driven our costs down so that our price to the end user, to the consumer, to the business, whoever it is, we can be cheaper than anyone else. And that's how we're going to drive up the volume. Others say, well, we know how to solve the problem. We don't care about you. We care about how you can solve the problem. So we're the best. We invest in our people. We've got the best R&D. We get the best product service. But we can solve it. We do better than others. We've got reviews. We've got testimonies. Everything. We're the best. Okay, we're most efficient. That's expertise. 
And trust is, you know what, we have your best interests at heart. You know, whatever we say, you're going to trust us. And we were going to work hard on that trust dimension so that, yeah, price is value, that's table stakes. Yes, expertise. Well, guess what? If, you, if, you, if you're not an expert, you're not going to be able to solve our problem or the product or service doesn't really fit. It's not going to work, etc. So maybe we can win the market based on trust. So all three of those, okay, every business lives in that triangle between those three, right? And so not everyone has thought about it that particular way. To your advertisements, are they all about some imagey kind of thing? And everyone else is advertising on price? Is your entire marketing strategy based on referrals? Or is it based on looking for new zip codes to, to sell your stuff to? You know, having a booth and trade show or whatever it is. Right. So every business is in there somewhere. No one is 100 percent in one of those three corners, price, expertise or trust. But it boils down. Do you want to be cheap? Do you want to be known as being cheap, smart or trusted? So which which of those are there? So that's kind of helps reframe. But the framework that really can make a significant difference. And it is so simple. It's something we call the trust curve. Yes. And that is sort of the cornerstone of some of the modern thinking in marketing. Yes. in terms of being more effective and certainly being more efficient with your dollars. Before we get into that, though, I just want to, you know, we have an environment that is focused on certain ways of doing things. And, you know, granted, we still have lots of baby boomers in leadership roles who are still doing the things they've always done because it's, they've always done it this way. But are there any myths about marketing that you think need to be busted? Little question again. Okay. I'm a master of yep. little questions. That's a bigger question, Mark. Thank you. So I'll give you this. I think that the biggest problem that many marketers find is that they find themselves backed into what I call campaign thinking. We're going to have a campaign to do this, to drive this many leads. We're going to do a campaign to do this or that. And I think one of the things we've learned, certainly over the last five years, is you've got to think also in terms of your marketing stack, if you will. What are the elements of the marketing that as you start to layer them on, and some of them are marketing initiatives, some of them might be technology-based, some of them are process-based, some of them are data-based, et cetera. As you start to layer these things, your marketing stack can be a multiplier for any campaigns you choose to actually execute. However, if you don't, they become your strategic differentiator because it's the machine that takes you from point A to point B. Okay, it's a constantly changing machine, granted. Mm -hmm. At one point, there was no social media. So guess what? That uh, That's a, another layer in the stack, social media, right? At one point, we had no mobile. Well, that's another layer in it. At some point, we didn't have things like marketing automation or CRM, customer relationship management, or any of these other kinds of enterprise technologies that were available for smaller uh, businesses that now are perfectly able. So getting away from this campaign thinking, is something that, and it's very hard because you've got an agency that you've been pumping money into or some sort of consultant you've been pumping money, money in where there's a beginning and an end of a campaign, you can see the ROI. It's not just that. It's what's in the marketing stack that you're building, which has got enduring value and which becomes a multiplier for whatever you spend in a campaign. It is so interesting because as you were saying all that, I was thinking about a conversation I had with a business owner about how customer interaction now is more relational than it is transactional. And essentially, you've just said the same thing about marketing initiatives. 
Well, how about that? How about that? Let me take it one more step further. If we think about what's called the customer journey or the prospect journey, Mm -hmm. you know, at the very beginning, they don't know here. And every time there's a touch point, something happens. And here's that something. Either trust goes up or trust goes down. And so, you know, the question of what are you doing at each one of these touch points where you can influence whether the trust goes up or down is equally important, right? And, well, it's critically important in my view. Yep. So... It's so funny that you mentioned that because I do have a keynote called Engageolytics, which is uncovering the mysteries of your customer engagement journey, where I believe that people come through us and they go on this milestone of different needs, different questions at these milestones to really go towards this idea of how do they become a brand ambassador later on without chopping over into the pit of the tainted. <laughs> so it's yeah. really interesting. And so we, you and I should do a, a, a tag team at some, at some point, Mark, because <laughs> of course I'm talking about it from a marketing strategy perspective, not a customer experience perspective. Yeah. Yeah. But guess what? It's the same side of the coin. Of a different it's the same yeah. coin, just different sides. Yep. So. Absolutely it is. And, it's all, and it all becomes almost a cultural implication as well in an organization. It's really interesting how there's all these different crossovers now. Yeah, I totally agree. I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. You know, one of the challenges I've always had with clients is quantifying marketing initiatives. One n- never truly knows if marketing is making any difference. Like, how does a good marketing initiative really kind of reflect ROI? Like, what are some of the... So I'm going to take exception to what you said, of course. Okay. Because you Perfect. said, how, how can marketing, you know, get the ROI? I think, I, let's be very clear, bad marketing, okay badly set up marketing, you'll never be able to turn figure out the ROI. Right. Good marketing, you can. Okay. So the problem is, is that so often people set up marketing in a way that you can't act, like think about it, if you can't see the results, how in the world can you possibly improve it? How do you know when you should stop doing it? You, you, know, you try something and it doesn't work and you don't know whether it's not working or it is working. I think that you'll see sometimes there's a question about, gee, for a particular marketing initiative, is it actually doing what it's supposed to do? And that begs the question, which is heavy lifting for a lot of uh, businesses. Well, how do I know what it's supposed to do? Where does it fit within this spectrum, this journey, if you want to call it that? Yeah. And so if you've not done that heavy lifting, then it becomes very hard to say it's doing its job or it's not doing its job. So with your permission, let me take a step back. Okay. And I do want to talk about the trust curve, which is the model really... I think can is the linchpin to answering the question you asked. That, that sounds right? great. Can we do it right after this? When the spotlight shines on your business, are customers applauding or yawning? In other words, how is your business performing? Make your business a star with the new book, Lights, Camera, Action, Business Operational Excellence Through the Lens of Live Theater by Mark Haim. Mark uses his business and acting experience to help you see your business like a live show so you can create a performance your customers will never forget. Buy Lights, Camera, Action today at your favorite online retailer or directly at markhaim.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with the host of the podcast. So here's your challenge. Randall Craig Randall. Before we get into the trust curve, could you just let everybody know a little bit about your podcast? Very simple. So here's your challenge. You can get it at, at Apple Podcasts or wherever you like. And it's all about five, one topic, five minutes, and an action item. Most business owners, it's not that they don't know the answers, they don't know the questions. 
So in my podcast, I share one concept, expand it a little bit, and then say, hey, here's how to, here's your challenge. And the challenge is how to implement, and I give a couple ideas, and that's it. That's it. Once a week, that's it. And the library's huge, so check it out. The, the link is in the show notes. So, Trust Curve. You were talking about Trust Curve. You want to tease us about the Trust Curve. What is the Trust Curve? Remember the 4P framework, descriptive, yeah. not directional? Yes. So the idea with the trust curve is that over time, you build trust with your prospects. You build trust with your customers, you build trust with your employees. But let's just talk about prospects because we're talking about marketing today. So at the very beginning, they don't know who the heck you are. Okay, how do you solve that? Awareness, that's the first stage. Second is, well, they prefer you over anybody else. That's preference. Third is they're not so sure, but they, so they want to test drive. That's trial. And finally, the last is commitment. Uh, they're signing the contract, they're making the purchase, they're engaging, wh whatever it is. Oh, the trust curve says that as people build their trust and go through the four stages of awareness, preference, trial, commitment, then they're going to be a customer. Here's the basic, basic idea. A marketing strategy is no more complex than this. What are the specific initiatives that will drive awareness? What are the specific initiatives that make people prefer you? What are the specific ones that will induce trial? And what are the specific ones that'll cause them to sign the contract or buy the product or service? Okay, that's it. So if you've got a list underneath awareness, preference, trial, commitment of, of those things, you're good, you're golden. And so typically marketing problems are things like this. People say, I don't have enough people walking into my business or the phone's not ringing. Well, guess what? That's likely an awareness problem, maybe a preference problem, okay? If you think about, Mark, last time I was on your show, we talked about your car buying experience. And if I remember correctly, it was 2013 that you bought a Honda Accord. How's that for memory? Wow, you are brilliant. Well, I don't know about that. I take good notes. So, Mark, think about it. What was it that caused you? What happened to the old car? Well, the old... Did it just break? Yeah, the old car needed to be replaced and I had to shop for something. Okay, that's awareness. Yeah. Okay, you need a new car. Now, why didn't you get like the, the Ferrari or the Lamborghini? <laughs> okay, w what drove you to prefer Honda? Well, I needed, originally I was going to shop for some, a used car. And when I looked at the brands, I realized that Honda depreciated a lot slower. And so think about this, okay? And I'm talking to all of our viewers right now. What was it that caused Mark to come to that solution, okay? It was advertising. Yes. It was his friends saying, well, you know, it depreciates less. Maybe re read consumer reports. Maybe he spoke to his neighbor in the driveway. Maybe went into the dealership and had a conversation. But those are all examples of particular types of marketing initiatives. You know, same thing with you when you think about, gee, you know, on one hand, Mark's aware that he needs a new car, but how does Honda make sure that they're that Mark is aware of Honda. Well, once again, maybe maybe it's advertising, maybe they've got a blog, okay? Or maybe they're on Instagram, or maybe they're in a mall, okay, where he walks by as opposed to a regular dealership where he might not walk by. There's a whole bunch, maybe his neighbor's got one, okay? And he saw it and thought, this is what looks nice. Those are the particular kinds of awareness initiatives. Same thing with, with, with when you decided that, I think I like the Honda Accord, you went into the dealership with your big, big wad of cash mark, and what did you say? I'll take it. <laughs> no, right? 
<laughs> it wasn't but, that easy. But, no, <laughs> no, no. What typically happens, you go to a car dealership, right? And they say, well, would you like Mr. Hain to do a test drive, right? That's trial, right? And so what are the other ways in your business that you can actually get trial to happen? Sometimes it's a freebie. Okay, test it out. If you go to a mall, you're walking by a, one of those fast food restaurants, maybe you have some food you've never tried. They, they're out in front with a little piece of a, of a piece of a chicken saying, hey, try this, see if you like it, right? The idea of trying a chocolate before you buy the box is the essence, actually, trial. And commitment, what are the specific things that you can do to improve commitment? Well, maybe Honda might be able to offer easier, excuse me, easier financing or a better rate. You know, of course, they could, you know, diddle around with the price and everything. But every business has got things under awareness, preference, trial, commitment. And as trust increases, remember, every interaction on that customer journey, trust goes up or trust goes down that it goes up or down along the trust curve. But it's your marketing initiatives along the way that actually can make a difference. It really is blurring the line between marketing and operations. When I came to Alberta back in 1999, I came in from being an entrepreneur coming into a corporate structure where I had an HR manager, I had a marketing manager, and I had I was the director of food and beverage. And marketing was its own little silo, and they created their marketing campaigns and they did stuff based on their strategy. But now, based on the description you've created with this trust curve, this is becomes more of an all hands on deck kind of initiative. Well, that's actually very true. Okay, that, that's very, very true. And you know, that's, that speaks to the fact that anytime anybody, whether it's an accounts payable receivables clerk or the receptionist or, or some frontline person that, that you think is not uh, critical part of the marketing, it, uh, that person absolutely is, absolutely is, you know, not just in terms of their direct interactions, but with social media, everybody is effectively a, a corporate spokesperson, right? So that's part of it as well. I will say though, you know, when you talk about trust curve operationally as well, here's something that anytime somebody's gonna make a decision, the trust curve actually applies. Think about it, you mentioned HR. Yes. Okay, so the HR manager is thinking, you know, I've got to recruit a new director of, I don't know, purchasing or something, or I've got to recruit a new salesperson. I've got to recruit whoever it happens to be. Think about this in the trust curve context. Awareness, I need to hire somebody. Okay, I'm going to put an ad out. That's part of the initiative. Maybe I'm going to do a career fair so people understand who we are. Maybe I'll ask my friends so that people are aware that we're hiring. Okay, preferences. Okay, I've got all these resumes, a long list. Okay, who do I prefer? Trial is the interview process and commitment is the offer letter, right? And from a job seeker's perspective, it's the very same, isn't it? I'm looking for a job, I'm applying, I prefer to work at this company. Gee, I've got interviews, gee, I'm gonna get an offer, I'm gonna sign it, right? So absolutely you could use the concept uh, throughout. In our particular case, talking about trust curve and marketing though, the more interesting thing is to say, okay, so what role do things like content play? Because sometimes content, people are blogging, they're posting on social media, they're doing all kinds of other content videos. Look, even this podcast is content, right? right? So every piece of content that the organization creates, where does that fit on the trust curve? Is the content top of funnel, which is really more awareness preference, or is it bottom of funnel closer to, to trial commitment or somewhere in the middle? How do we use some of the technology? Like, where does marketing automation fit in? Probably not awareness, 
Okay, but probably closer to preference trial commitment. Where does the CRM fit in? Well, CRM doesn't fit in at the very beginning, does it? No. Right? Because yeah. you don't know who they are. Right. But it sure does when you go between trial and commitment when somebody is about ready to commit. So there's a whole bunch of overlay that's possible onto the model that is not really possible with models like the four Ps or the best 1960s thinking. Right. And so when it comes to how does a business owner, an entrepreneur grow their business? Okay. You don't need a 50 page marketing plan. You don't need to do anything other than to say, okay, how do we determine what goes under each elements of the trust curve? You need some help for that. Well, guess what? I, people like me are around. Okay. But if you didn't know the trust curve in the first place, you probably might not have been thinking in, in this paradigm. Yeah. That's really the point. Yeah, brilliant. To your point, you know, sometimes people need help shaking their perspectives. How can get they get in touch with you if they want to explore this deeper with you? Well, first of all, I'm a big fan of self-serve. So if you go to randallcraig.net slash trust, I've got a white paper that explores this in great detail. randallcraig.net slash trust. Okay. Uh, in, in, in great detail. If you want to get a hold of me, go to randallcraig.com. That's my website. All the contact information is there, but but do the reading first. And the reason why is, is that'll help you explore this particular topic in greater detail. That way, if we have a conversation, it could be a higher order conversation. Sounds great. Could we talk a little bit about how to apply the trust curve to existing problems? Say, for instance, you're not getting the sales that you need. How can we look at the trust curve to be able to use it as a forensic tool to help us problem solve? So actually, Mark, that's a very good question because every business I've advised, they already have a marketing plan. Right. They already have a, a, a business development process. They've already, it's all in place. So what I would say is this. Step number one is really to put what you're doing right now on the trust curve under awareness, preference, trial, and commitment. And then the forensic part is, gee, are each one of these things doing its job? Because sometimes what worked two years ago, say, you know, or, or before the pandemic or during COVID or, is not working today. Number two is to recognize that maybe you've got lots and lots and lots of stuff, okay, at, in one part of the trust curve, but not enough or not the right things in another. So, so where's the bottleneck? Like, where's things not getting through? Because if, if you get lots of leads, lots of people at awareness, but nobody's going through to preference, guess where you need to focus your time and money? If it turns out that you're getting everybody to that, well, think about the car dealership, the test drive, but for whatever reason, you can't close them at the very end. Your focus has got to be on trial and commitment, right? right? So forensically, it's a powerful, powerful tool. Okay. The challenge is sometimes when you're in the box, you can't sort of see physician heal thyself, right? You cannot see the label from inside the bottle. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's right. That's right. I could make some terrible pun about when sales aren't where they need to be, it'll drive you to drink. And therefore the label is even more important, but you know, I, I won't go there. I won't go there. So that's kind of how I would start it. It's really not rocket science. You just need to have a, a deeper understanding of the trust curve, which, which you can get on randallcraig.net slash trust. Okay, uh, just read through that. Well, that'll get you started. And then when you realize there's some problems, you realize that, hey, maybe you should dive deeper into this thinking, then, 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 then you could do that from there. I can absolutely see that by 
dissecting and going through the trust curve and understanding the components of the trust curve that you also end up putting blinders on so that you're not suffering from squirrel syndrome or shiny object syndrome where somebody comes in with a solution and you think, oh my God, if I could only get that, now using the trust curve, you're able to... Well, to tell you the truth, most entrepreneurs that that I know, they're, they're, they're sharp people. Yeah, They do have their tentacles out and people do say, hey, this has really worked very well. And the reason why they're successful is because they've been able to pivot. So the trust curve, uh, you know, contrary to what I'm, what people may think, it's not a straitjacket. So right. if somebody says, here's this shiny object. Somebody says, you know, I've had great ex- success with this. Some vendor says, here is something that you should do. Don't throw it out. But rather, you only have so much time. You yes. only have so many dollars. So you've got the things listed under awareness, preference, trial, commitment. You say, if I do this, the shiny object, let's make sure it makes sense. Sure. But what am I going to scratch off? What am I going to stop doing that is under my trust curve? Okay, somebody's got this amazing thing to do, I don't know, whatever it is, to generate trials. Okay, you could say, okay, what am I going to scratch off here? I only have so much dollars, so much time. Okay, and when you scratch it off, Try it out, see if it works. Yeah, to your point, if you're looking at your trust curve and you're thinking, I'm really, we're really suffering in the trials realm, then you can then start shopping specifically for the solutions that apply to that. You're not looking at a CRM that's talking about how you attract prospects at that stage. <laughs> that's absolutely right. And it also becomes an early filter for you. Somebody comes up to you, you know, you're trying to generate awareness and, and then their thing is more about the commitment stage. You could say, sorry, not in my plan. I made a note. Okay, it's not in our plan for this year. We'll look at it next year, the year after. Yeah. Right? Save you a lot of time just because all of a sudden we're talking about strategy. Right? By the way, we we spoke at the very beginning of the podcast about how every organization competes. Price, expertise, trust. Right. You know, the trust curve is the mechanism that explodes out and say, okay, how do we land the strategy airplane, right? We don't need the 50-page marketing plan. We just need to be very thoughtful with respect to what's under each of those four. Right. Okay, that's all it is. I love it. I'd love to talk about some cautionaries because I can imagine people's imaginations are just going wild right now. I'd like to talk a little bit about some do's and don'ts, and we'll get to that right after this. Attention, meeting and event planners. Is your company or association planning a live or virtual conference, seminar, staff retreat? Are you looking for a fresh, energetic perspective on what it takes to put on a jaw-dropping experience for your customers or staff? Book customer experience expert Mark Hain for your next group event. Past participants have said, Mark kept us in stitches while teaching us how important and powerful actually designing our customer experience can be. Read more testimonials and find out how Mark can serve you and your group at markhain.com. That's M-A-R-C-H-A-I-N-E.com. Welcome back. I am speaking with the CEO whisperer himself, Randall Craig. As you can tell, Randall and I are passionate about helping businesses like yours. If you hear something that you like, if you belong to an association, planning a conference, a leadership retreat, or you think we could be of service in any any kind of context for you, feel free to reach out. I think that we can be really great service to you. Our contact information is in the show notes, so don't be afraid to reach out. Randall, 
do's and don'ts when we're thinking about this idea of implementing or looking at our strategies right now and and tying it against the trust curve? Any do's or don'ts that you think we need to flag? Well, the do's are very simple. Just get off your pot and do it, okay? (laughs) It's actually a very good question. Let's not make things too complex here. It really is not rocket science, okay? You've got the framework. You could download my more detailed paper on it. That's not a problem. And just just start working on it. Take what you're doing right now and throw it on there. See how that works. That's really it. That's a do or don't all in, in one shot. Is this one of those exercises you think that should be implemented within a team? Is this something that the marketing director would do? How much input does it require within an organization to to get something that's cohesive and strategic in execution or for execution? Well, Mark, you said something very astute earlier on in our conversation, that marketing isn't just the job of the marketing department or the agency, right? There's a lot of hands that go in it. You know, there's more spent on marketing technology today than almost anything else. Okay, just as an example. So it really depends on the scale of the organization and just how much uh, alignment, actually, uh, that you're looking to get across everybody. So I've done this with 30 people in the room, facilitated a session for a global uh, company in the publishing world. Okay, Uh, well, guess what? That was great. But if your whole company is just... 30 people or three people, that's, that's ridiculous. Now, the best is, is when you've, you've got, sure, the person responsible for marketing. Be helpful if, if the, the, the leader was there as well, if there's a few other people as well. Just because there's arms and legs that, that, and there's aspects that come. The question of whether you should do it yourself or you should uh, in, involve other people, I, I could, listen, as a facilitator, I, I kind of got a bit of a conflict of interest here because I would say, It's always better if you've got a facilitator who can also add value to what other best practices. But if that's not in the cards for you, if that's not in the cards for you, it's better that you at least, you know, take a piece of paper or whiteboard and say, let's just see what this, what this looks like. And you know, Mark, if if I can make an offer, if somebody wants to have a short conversation on this topic, uh, you know, before they do it themselves or, or thinking about asking somebody else, they could just reach out to me directly at randallcraignet slash 30, and I'd be happy to have a, uh, a conversation uh, about it. I love this stuff. I find it fascinating how different companies can implement it, and I'd love to have a conversation. So that's the other part of it, I guess. Yeah, wonderful. As we wrap up, do you have any last comments, last thoughts about what we've been talking about today? Well, maybe once again, it seems today the conversation is all about it's not rocket science, yeah. but listen, If you want different and better results, you're gonna have different and better inputs, right? If you wanna put stuff on a shelf, okay, call it a marketing framework, let's not use some of the thinking of 20 or 50 years ago. Perhaps you can do a little bit better today. And that's probably the closing thoughts, you know? Take the opportunity, learn about the trust curve, and then actually get going using it. Love it. Could you remind people one more time how to get in touch with you? Sure. Go to my website, randallcraig.com. You can reach me there. Or if you wanted to talk to me, randallcraig.net slash 30. Love it. Randall, this has been an absolute blast. Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today. My pleasure. Why don't you let me know if this was of value to you? As always, my offer stands. If you would like 30 minutes of my time to brainstorm your business with you and your team, feel free to book yourself on my online calendar. The link is down below in the show notes. It would be my absolute honor for me to be of service. 
And if you haven't done so yet, why don't you go ahead and subscribe to the show? This will give you first dibs whenever I bring you new content with new experts, just like Randall, to help you put on the show your customers and employees deserve. My name is Mark Hain. I hope you stay safe, stay healthy, and I hope and dare you to be the exception. Thank you for joining us this week on Experience Leadership. Make sure you visit markhain.com for a full directory of available episodes. While you're at it, if you found today's content valuable, please share it and tell your friends about the show. As Mark says, knowledge is power, but only if you share it. Be sure to tune in each week for the newest episode. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and dare to be the exception.